A reading from Luke's Gospel, chapter 24. Now that same day when Jesus had appeared to Mary Magdalene, two disciples were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and slow of, how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near to the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is near evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, the Lord has risen indeed, and has, he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated, and I invite the children to come up for the children's time. <laughs> Alleluia, Christ is risen. When looking for something to read, I'm most likely to pick up a biography or a memoir. And most, most recently, I read Bono's memoir, Surrender. I wouldn't describe myself as a fan of the punk rock group U2. I didn't even know that it was punk rock. I knew they were a rock group. I like Coldplay's music better, actually. 
but a review I read of the book intrigued me. And it's an unusual memoir. For example, on page seven is a part of Psalm 32, just printed there, like, ooh. Now, I knew that Bono had been deeply involved in lobbying in the 1990s for debt relief for the nations of Africa, and also to have HIV treatment drugs more equitably distributed so that people in Africa could benefit from it, and that the way he was able to uh, get these things done was that he worked with an arch-conservative senator, Jesse Helms, and the reason Jesse Helms listened to him wasn't his celebrity, but the way he was able to express his Christian faith. I didn't know that Bono's father was Catholic and that his mother was Protestant and that he grew up in Catholic Dublin with a lot of Protestant friends. On Sundays, his father dropped him and his mother and his brother off at the Anglican church, and then his father went to mass. And after mass, he would come back and pick up his family on the way home. As an early teen, Bono went with one of his evangelical friends to a sleepaway camp and learned, as he would describe it, intense religious devotion, which he had never encountered in the same way before. And so when his mother died suddenly when he was 14, he was about as prepared as anyone could be at that bad age to lose someone important. His father worried that Bono would lose his faith, but instead, Bono was the model of faith for his father as an adult, reading that Psalm 32 to his father when his father was on his deathbed. And the other interesting tidbit from near the beginning of the book was that three of the four band members pray before every concert, and they've always done that, starting when they were 18 years old. <clears throat> he writes that he never, has never left Jesus out of the most banal or profane decisions of his life. His music and drive are directly tied to his mother's death. And so he would say that being joined to Jesus does not remove life's problems, but it helps us to face them with hope and God's help. The two disciples in today's gospel needed that. There they were on the day of resurrection, walking away from Jerusalem and hope dejectedly. And Jesus himself came near and went with them, but they didn't recognize him. And he says to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? And then they stood still looking sad. You'd think they'd be happy, hopeful, joyful, but instead they were let down, pathetic almost, dejected. And when they describe their previous hope, they do it in terms of disappointment. But we had hoped that Jesus was the one to redeem Israel. And so they describe the, some women going to the tomb and not finding the body there and coming back and telling that they'd seen a vision of angels who told them that he was alive and some of their group went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. That should have been enough for them to believe, but it wasn't. They needed to hear the word of scripture interpreted and to encounter the risen Lord for themselves in order to believe. And so Jesus, we are told, explained to them that it was necessary for the Messiah 
to suffer these things and then enter into his glory. Our worship follows the pattern of this gospel. We gather having been away from the word of God, looking to be restored and refreshed by the risen one, but not always sure that it will happen, and sometimes feeling lost and dejected. Then we have our minds opened as the scriptures are read and interpreted. We can connect our lives to the stories and promise contained in the readings from the Bible and find meaning in that connection between our lives now and the biblical events. But mostly that's not quite enough for us to recognize the Lord's presence, as it was not quite enough for these two disciples in today's gospel. When the disciples and Jesus got to Emmaus, they urged him to stay with them and share the evening meal. They uttered the words with which we begin the service of evening prayer, stay with us for it is almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in with them and when he was at the table, he took the bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. Notice, it's only when he leads them in doing what he told his disciples to do to remember him, that they recognize him. I mean, at the end of, of the, when we're blessing the bread and the cup, we say, do this, we repeat his words, do this for the remembrance of me. Their minds were open to understand, but it's only in the holy meal, the breaking of the bread in communion, that they recognized him. And once they recognized him, he was gone. All they got was a glimpse of him, but combined with scripture, that was enough. And then they said, were not our hearts burning within us while we were walking on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? It wasn't heartburn from the food that they were describing, but an emotional and spiritual response to the broken bread to his promise to be with them whenever they gather around the bread and the cup. Now they believed that he was risen and they got up and raced back to Jerusalem to tell the others how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. The sociologist of religion, Nancy Ammerman, a few years ago published a study of congregations that had turned away from decline and death toward new life. There was only one thing that all of these congregations had in common, and that was that they ate together frequently in communion and also in fellowship meals. It's one of the strengths of this congregation that there are many opportunities for us throughout the year to eat and drink together, both at the Lord's table and in less formal settings. In table fellowship, the Lord is revealed in the community of those who gather in his name in a way that's difficult to explain. He takes on flesh and blood among individuals in the community of faith and especially in the church's gathering and acting in his name. When we eat and drink in his name, we're not just eating and drinking together, but we are embodying the Lord's presence among us we are the body of Christ as we gather together and receive his body and blood and take them within ourselves. 
He takes on flesh and blood in us, in the bread and cup of communion, and in our fellowship. It was his flesh and blood presence that overcame the pathos of those two disciples who had walked with him. It is his flesh and blood in his word and in communion that overcomes our pathos and hopelessness. It, is, it was his presence in others and his words that has motivated Bono's music and activism. We don't always feel his presence, but we can trust his promise that he is with us as we do what he told us to do to remember him. Those whose minds have been opened by listening to his word, who are baptized into his death and resurrection, can trust his word that as we do what he commands us to do to remember him, he is present among us to strengthen and sustain us. Life's problems do not go away, but we know that we're not alone in facing them. The risen Lord is with us. We're part of a community of faith in Jesus, the one who died and is risen, and who walks along the road with us, too. He is with us as we gather around his table in his name. Alleluia. Christ is risen.